Welcome to the Origin Canine Podcast, where we speak to authentic and inspiring voices from the working canine world. Listen to this episode, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and go to origincanine.com. Enjoy the show. All right. Uh, G'day, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Origin Canine Podcast. Super cool guest on today uh, in the studio, i.e. my my lounge room. we got Andrew Hudson, horse, former SASR canine handler. Bro, thanks for coming on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting us down. No, uh, all good, mate. All beautiful good. day to be on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful uh-huh. to be in the aircon, man. Yeah, once it cools down, I'm heading to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. Um, I've, I, you know, I sent you a bunch of those links to the potty, and I don't know how much you listen to. Very little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I always start by asking about your childhood and how that influenced you joining not just the army but SASR and then canines. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, hit us with it. It's it certainly, uh, in hindsight, uh, really, really shaped it. So I was born in Melbourne and pretty much taken out of the hospital and plonked on a horse. Um, even though we lived in, in suburbs of Melbourne, we, we moved to the country after a few years and then uh, it might not surprise anyone to know I've got some ADHD-like behaviours. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Fancy finding that in a special forces operator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that, that, that those qualities is what requires, you know, as, as well as being on the autistic spectrum to an extent because you want somebody that can jump off the Black Hawk, shoot someone in the face, jump back on and go home and play with the kids. Yeah. Obviously, there's a re-entry into the tribe there, which is a warrior culture thing, but we can get on to that later. Um, yeah, so I was that, that kid that was always up to mischief, into everything. Um, always running around with a stick, playing soldiers, always into everything uh, and anything. Uh, and so you're always in trouble as well, because that gets pretty annoying for parents. So you, you just become a naughty little boy. And so I would then get out of the house and uh, I'd hang with the horses, the dogs, the sheep, uh, like a, a mini Dr. Doolittle kind of deal. And then I'd just gain this affinity with them because that was my safe space. Um, growing up, we played sports and everything. But uh, with the growing up, uh, my grandfather said, so running around, I always want to play soldiers have sticks you've got a, a weapon of some sort you're throwing rocks you're, you're making uh, trying to make bow and arrows which we don't really have the wooden Australia to do but you find that out test and adjust so you make slingshots yeah um, didn't know that that's interesting yeah yeah so you need the uh, like the willow there's nothing native here it's all hardwood uh, so it doesn't have the you can't build that tension for the spring back uh, at least that's what I found out as a child. Yeah, um, are things I, there may be new science on that too, so don't quote me. Yeah. Um, well, you can, but just beware. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done any more fact-checking on it since I grew up. Um, yeah, and so I had a grandfather who was um, in Second World War, and he was a bit of a, a dude. Uh, they've written a book on him. It's called Blue. Um, he got in in 39 as a private, and then uh, there's a general high rate of attrition back then. Back in those days, it's, it's real war. And so he, he made it up to a sergeant at one point there, and um, 
uh, got a military medal for leading a bayonet charge against a German uh, supply dump in Crete. Uh, oh, he's on Crete. Oh, yeah, Greece, Crete, Libya, Syria. Actually, he took uh, Benghazi twice, so he'll be turning his grave now. So I was going to say, he must, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he came back, he'd be like, thank God there's peace in the Middle East now after yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the work I did. <laughs> yeah, well, he passed in 2007 and I was, I was actually in Afghanistan. And so, yeah, you could imagine, he just say, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, uh, yeah so you got the military medal and mentioned the dispatches there, escaped from the Germans twice, did the old fishing boat deal. Um, so he's in Egypt as well. Lebanon, yes, it's, it's his fault now that I think about it. No. I was just about to say, I'm starting to get a real clear picture, <laughs> man. Like from all the, yeah. the previous yeah. convos we've had, like how yeah. eclectic you are with your travel. Yeah, like, yeah. and then uh, he went back. I oh, got uh, friendly fire mortar opened up his throat. And he's just like, it's okay. It hasn't got the um, didn't get the artery because he says he's walking himself back to the aid post. He yeah, goes, no, no, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's funny what you laugh at. Uh, then, um, yeah, he got commissioned uh, and he wanted to join the independent companies. His mate, uh, Bernie Cullinan, who wrote the book Independent Company, uh, which I did read while we were in East Timor. So I'm sitting at Bobonaro at the fort, reading Independent Company, looking at these black and white photos, going, this shit has not changed. And that's 2001. Yeah. Yeah, just sitting there going... This has not changed. Uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. But yeah, Bernie Cullinan, and, and he's got a few peers there that went into the, the Double Diamonds, the independent companies. Because um, he was commissioned, they said, we need experienced officers in the islands with the, the Chocos. Um, you know, I don't use that as a derogatory term. It's just a term that everyone knew. So the reserves. It's quite um, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is usually what was coined as a derogatory term, but... Um, yeah, I just use it as a colloquial these days because, yeah, he never had any problem with them. I was one. Uh, both both the full-timers and the part-timers just need to realise where they're at in the ball game, and the full-timers need to help get get the part-timers up to speed and the part-timers need to realise that maybe doing it part-time, you're not going to be as necessarily as good <laughs> as the guys doing it full-time. And believe you me, there are some full-time guys who are worse than the part-time guys. But, um Heraclides 100. Um, well, there's against 80 of those 100 soldiers are pretty much just targets. Oh, um, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got 20, but always you've got 10, 10 all right dudes, good guys. Yep. Um, you've got nine dudes who you, you want in your team, and then there's a ha-ha, there's that one. That's right, and he goes, yeah. ah, the one, or the whatever one. the quote is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit of Neo from the Matrix, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you get them everywhere. But he, he went up there, and he's, he, did, he didn't have a problem with those guys. He just, he said, it is what it is, and they, they, they put in hard yards, and I've just done the Kokoda track, so also, uh, yeah, what yeah. those guys did with limited training and... Um, was was impressive, and at the end of the day, all the guys that joined up and got conscripted had about as much training as the, the choker, the, the reserves. Anyway, um, as my grandfather, yeah, then he got the military medal up and the a military cross as an officer. 
up in the islands. Um, and because I'm just finishing that story, uh, then he was with the, um, the the occupation forces and so he's going around collecting uh, Japanese PWs. Then came back to Australia in '46, going, you know, this this army thing's not too bad. But they then got told, uh, you didn't do a proper recruit course. You got to go to Pakapunya and learn how to do drill. So if you wonder what's going on today, what happened post World War Two, Vietnam, it happened post World War Two. Yeah, we got war heroes here. Fuck you. Uh, and so all, it was, and it was all the people that he, as he called it, bowler hatted downrange for being useless. And so bowler hatted was you sent back to Civvy Street and you put a bowler hat on. And these people, as we know, with the military, they, they'll go in and reinvent themselves and get promoted. And now they're in charge when all these guys come back. These people know that. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Or you, today you just charge them with war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a funny yeah. cycle, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, so, so nothing changes. And so we will get on. And to, that, that guy was my hero growing up. Yeah. And he knew that mum was a little bit crazy and so she took shit out on us like, because I was that kid. And, um, and, and in hindsight, I believe that he really took me on. As he even said to me, after he sent my mum to bed one night, when I was a little kid, he goes, yeah, me and all, all my mates, our firstborn when we come back from the war are crazy. That's your mother. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so you're looking back, I think you take a bit of responsibility for that. Uh, and took me on and I, I only wanted to be a soldier. Uh, mum and dad had their... Um, good intentions, oh, you're going to go dis- into, into university and so I thought, well, I love animals, I'll become a vet. But I hated school, once again, ADHD, that kid, so always a problem. And I went to private schools because the state schools, public schools couldn't handle me. So I needed that. Apparently they reckon I needed the, the corporal. Corpor- Hello? Oh, it's mail. It's all right. He's just dropping the package. Okay. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I've never had a mailman. Oh, they, they drop it off. Yeah. G'day, mate. They yeah, okay, so they, know, they know goes, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um, or they go, ah, oh, no one's home, couldn't deliver it. <laughs> yeah, while they're getting caught on camera just driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With yeah. the slip and just aeroplane the other way. Yeah, that's there. it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, he took me under his wing a bit and so then that guy was my hero. And uh, it was a young, your mum and dad sent me to, University, and I thought, well, I'll become a vet, but I was a terrible student. Or were they terrible teachers? Yeah, hard to say. Um, no, there's, I would say there's no bad soldiers, it's just poor leadership. Um, yeah. so, no you bad know, students. You know, if, you want, if you want somebody who should be in band corps to be in infantry corps, and then go, oh, they're a terrible infantry person, well, you're a shit leader. Because you put them into the wrong spot. Like you don't want a medic, somebody who wants to be a medic and has that nursing, like we talk about archetypes here, you know, has that, that bent and you want to put them in a different job. Well, that's on you as a leadership. And so when you've got people going, no, you will go to this call. And some of them think that it's funny because <laughs> this person's not going to do well and they laugh. And we've seen that time and time again throughout the military. Yeah, once again, your old grandfather wasn't like that. So, uh, 
anyway, so I'd, I did go to university, but it was for agricultural science. Hated it. Yep. Left there, joined the army. What, what year was that in the army? Uh, 93 I joined. 93? Yeah. And yeah. so you got Rwanda and everything kicking off. Um, we just had the Balkans. Uh, yeah, and so, um, geez, I remember back in, was it 85 or something? 84? Uh, Falklands? 83? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was primary school then and going, I want to go and join up. <laughs> I remember just thinking that. Uh, it's insane. But then you think about kids that went and joined in World War One and Two and lied about their age, so it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And when you consider Jung, Carl Jung's archetypes, right, you're born to do something. Uh, and then you can slow, you just, just, Plato even says, you know, don't, don't force or coerce a child into one way of learning. Just guide them to whatever is pleasing and whatever interests them. And that's, that's what they're drawn to. And I've got a mate, he, he was a lawyer because his dad was a lawyer. He didn't want to be that. The day his dad died, he's quit. You know, so, yeah, we, we have so many parents growing children up to be images of themselves. What a narcissist. What sort of a narcissist are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, been a, a builder all my life, so you'll be the builder. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and you see, obviously there's... Um, Availability and money, and so you know, where you are on the poverty uh, or freedom, there's limited choices in certain uh, communities, places in the world. And uh, you know, Jocko Willink says, you know, it's a definition of freedom. It's having the ability to choose which burden you'll take up in life. Not everyone gets a choice either. And so you were a builder. You're going to be a builder in certain communities because you don't have options, um, or, or there are options, but they are so harsh and so there's so much against you that it's, you may be able to achieve it. And often, you know, and we laud those that do and applaud them, um, but, but the, you don't always have that freedom, and yeah. that's where we're we're lucky. Unfortunately, easy times. <laughs> easy people. What are they, easy people say, bring, yeah. make hard times. Uh, hard times read hard people. Um, and yeah, I've been in Ukraine last year and uh, working through Africa. And yeah, you meet some good people in the most terrible places, and they're, they're just happy with what they got. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you have to be careful of the comfort crisis, which is a whole another. And that's where I grew up, being that disobedient terrible child, uh, always doing things the hard way. As how many operators do you know? Don't go over there. And how many operators are going to go over there now? <laughs> don't press the red button. <laughs> it's like, don't do that. <laughs> Righto, no worries. Yeah. Don't go near the fire as opposed to now it's going, okay, that fire's hot. Be careful what you do. You know, that's totally different. Okay, it's hot. Or I'll do this with my daughter, you know, you see, have you got a competition, see who can get closer. I'll let her win now, but I'll stop well before. And she, oh, yeah, I got closer then. You know, but she's learnt that that's going to be hot. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. I had a, uh, my, so my daughter does the exact same thing. do with dogs, thing. yeah. With her hands. We yeah. say, don't do this. Yeah. And then she'll do the closest thing to this. <laughs> doing the thing. It's, so, it's interesting. And then 
after seeing that, we change the way we speak to her now. Well, it's an embedded command. Yeah, I mean, it's... Don't think of a pink elephant. <laughs> yeah. Now, my pink elephant has a word purple inside his ears, for and I think, don't think of a pink elephant. Or, or you can say, don't, don't climb the tree, or let's play with the ball down here, kick, kick the ball to each other. Um, but it's so easy and lazy to tell people what we don't want them to do. You know, let's apply that to relationships. Okay, we know all what you don't want me to do. What do you want me to do? I don't know. I go, well, what chance have we got? Yeah. And so then having that, and so this is where you get children asking why. Because I told you so, because I told you so, because I'm the parent, because I'm in charge. They're not reasons. And if you can't tell somebody, a child, or as a leader, you can't explain to your troops why we're doing this, It's, it's not going to lead to optimal outcomes, is it? Yeah. I'm, I believe. Was that... Um, so if you joined in 93, mm. and there was like a couple of little things going on in Rwanda and whatnot... Yeah, I missed them all. So two, four went to Africa, but I went to three hour because I wanted to get para. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know you three hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. where I was before Sigma Day. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously I'll, you had to earn your maroon beret back then. I was going to say that it's that old school sort of time, right, where it yeah. was probably more a bit like... I fucking told you to do it, so just do it. Or this is a yeah, way yeah. There was it. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we've always done it. Um, which I can see works. It doesn't work for everyone. So yeah, I wasn't a very good recruit either, until the last few weeks where they would take the screws off and give you a bit more room to move. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, you've really shown improve. And I, I maybe I did. I, <laughs> I felt that I hadn't improved that. They just relaxed it was a bit. just so relaxed a bit, and so I stopped digging my heels in. Uh, so there was less resistance, I guess, which is really interesting. And so, yeah, you're growing up always doing things the hard way. Well, we get back to that easy society is uh, doing things the hard way is, that's called experiential learning. So when you're talking about your daughter, don't do that. Well, I want to know what's going to happen if I do. Yeah, and that that curiosity is beautiful, and I just love it when children who walk in and go, "What the hell happened here?" And there's just <laughs> chaos as they're just drunk little people. Yeah, um, you, know, you, you see the same thing at um, at bars on when they used to have drinking on bases. Um, they don't do it now. I don't know. Oh, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they've taken the fun out of it, so people don't bother. Probably, yeah. yeah. Except for the alcoholics, because it's easy and accessible, so there's another problem. And, but, <laughs> so, yeah, look what happens when you have more rules and regulations, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, really interesting. And so, yeah, the, um, and so this way, doing things the hard way is really important, because uh, there's no value in it otherwise, and there's really little experience. And so it's where we had the, the old helicopter parents you know, actually that hinders the child's learning, it hinders the outcomes. And now I understand we've got snowplow parents. Yeah, who, I heard that one. I, can't, I heard it on a podcast recently, so I can't remember which one. It, it's so true because the helicopter parents, oh, 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 oh. Now, snowplow, we're just clearing everything out of the children's oh, way. Oh, gotcha. Like yeah, just yeah. clearing everything and making this is nice and smooth. There's no sharp objects. Play, playgrounds are so safe these days. Um, so we're taking away 
risk assessment. Um, the children aren't allowed to think. They're not allowed they don't deal with bullies. And so there's, we're not making moral choices. We're just following the rules and the regulations and I've got to do what I'm told. Um, you see where this is leading? It's like there's no free thought. There's, this is some dystopian future that we're being primed for right now. And, if, and, and so that everybody wants to do it comfortably. But what happens is that these children, which you know, our generations are ultimately responsible for because who's in charge? Um, well, we're kind of running the world now, aren't we? And so have a look at the world. <coughs> Some would say that's what we've been left with. Yeah, well, maybe. Let's deal with it. Uh, moving along with it. So, so now we're breeding these, bring up these poor children. I say poor because they just follow the rules. They do what they're told. There's no risks in playgrounds, so they don't have risk assessment. They um, experimentation. There's no experimentation. Yeah, there's yeah. no moral um, choices, decision making. So no exercising of their moral um, judgment because I just obey the rules. And how many times do you hear it's the rules? I'm just doing my job, um, it's out of my power, I have to ask somebody else. Uh, you're just absolving yourself or removing yourself from all moral obligations to this process now. And so we're not practicing any morality. And so it's where we get 2008 global financial crisis, one person went to jail. How many lives did that destroy? Oh, mate, I saw that. Um... But it was all legal, but morally. Yeah. Um, problematic, and so this is where I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we've got this growing chasm between morality and legality now because it's all following the rules. And we're, I saw one thousand one hundred and sixty-one dollars for not wearing your seatbelt correctly. Now it's all cameras and everything like that and all over the place now. Well, what's the outcome here? Who's that going to hurt me? So. So what, what are we talking about here? I understand that sometimes speeding can be problematic for those around us. And we're not wearing a seatbelt. So what's this for? It's just more and more levels of control because people will break the rules. So we need more ru rules? Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> my my sister-in-law got done with one of them because yeah. she uh, was, you know, they were across the, the chest and I think she unhooked her arm and yeah, ran well, back just... with the kids or something and then... Yeah, I just realised that you know, I just have, because I've got a 1976 car and they don't often come out and they lock and and so I just sort of have it over my shoulder. So I just drove from the Sunshine Coast to here. So, um, <laughs> well, well, let's see. Yeah. 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 Big, big police audience for this podcast, but I don't think any of them give a shit about that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, they yeah, did they all get vaccinated? Because that's a form of control as well. Without opening a can of worms with the vaccination, I'm pretty sure the AFP is still chasing people for that. Yeah, so uh, a mate of mine was in the AFP, dog handler. Um, he's, he didn't want to get vaccinated, so he got told that he couldn't come to work. His wife um, is a nurse. So she can't work. Because of him? Well, she's a nurse. She doesn't want to get vaccinated. Oh, she didn't want to do it either. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So now we've... What do you do? Um, 
he was able to, in a fortunate position where he had other um, citizenship options and uh, picked the family up, left the country. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And doing really well over there. I'm proud of him because that, that, that really is an exemplar of what's possible. So when people say, oh, I've got the mortgage, I've got the kids, I've got... so did he. And so stand up or obey uh, is really the thing in that, that the principle of it was, was just disgusting. And, and I think the government's response to COVID will kill people for generations because, you know, with the military, we put masks on. Um, you know, even the, uh, the camouflage cream has utility in not being seen, but it also is a mask. And so when somebody's looking at that, this or that, it's a, you're sending a different message and say, what, how much have we messed with kids growing up around this? Where you don't know who friend or foe is and so then we get back to the helicopter parents and now we are removing all dangers for them. They don't know who friend or foe is. How much anxiety is going on in the world today? Because they, deep down inside, they have no coping mechanisms whatsoever. So we bang on about resilience and adaptability while we're doing this to the children we're taking it away we're removing all of their options and so when I step outside that front door deep down inside they know that they have no ability nothing no skills nothing in their toolbox to deal with any of that Hello, my friend. I'm safe in this little world here, aren't we? Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. safe. And so we're creating some sort of weird matrix. Um, and and you feed, like you don't have to go out to do the shopping, to feed yourself, to do anything like that, and you isolate, and isolation breeds depression. So I get a dopamine hit out of that. I was just about to say, guys like us with ADHD, even just typical operator guys looking yeah. for dopamine hits all the time, right? Yeah. Where do you find it in your pocket? Yeah. All the time. Yeah, and so that's where living on a boat recently has been great. But, you know, and, and all of this stuff really applies. We go down further down these rabbit holes to with the children and all that. This is how I train dogs. Experiential learning, you frame them into the outcome that you want. Right, how are we going to do this? So one of the things was um, we got uh, equipment-focused animals. Okay, the dog won't bite anyone without the bite sleeve. Hmm. Well, what does our enemy look like? It certainly doesn't look like us in a uniform with a bite sleeve on and the police and the military all wonder why the dogs bite their own people. This is your lazy. Who is the dog supposed to bite? The person you train it to bite. Okay, you're training that dog to bite somebody in uniform that just happens to have a sleeve on. So yeah. in the, under times of stress, the dogs that aren't totally equipment focused will bite what you've trained it to bite. The rest of the picture, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like an IGP sort of scenario, like you're not wearing the rest of the protective gear because they're biting this part. Yeah. And that's the picture they see, so that's just what Yeah, yeah, doing. that's yeah, it. Yeah. And so the, and, and the common theme is the human. And so while we would mix it up with overt sleeve, hidden sleeve, 
um, the the suit. We would try to break the suit up with a tracksuit, or and it's not always somebody in the Afghan dish dash because we also have counterterrorism. Correct. Uh, it's domestic CT now. They're not all going to be dressed like your average Taliban. Um, some of them are wearing battle bras and stuff like that too. So, you know, it's, it's mixed military camps. And then you do have Chechens and others going to fight in those areas. But they don't sort of dress a little bit more local. But there's variations on the theme. And so, um, yeah, what is, what's the picture? Well, the picture is not us. And so when you're doing training, all the good guys were in the uniform all the time. Oh, no, I'm just going to turn up like this. No, you're not. And so that's our IFF. And so that's a safety, a layer of safety for us. And it increases the danger for everyone else. And obviously when we go overseas and we've got partnering forces and we deal with the different smells and that. And um, it was very difficult with the pastures because they were lazy. But those Hazarans that we had were amazing and they were on board and on team, but yeah, great guys. Hazarans remind me, they're the sort of half Asian kind yeah, of looking yeah, guys. Yeah. Almost like Mongol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're yeah, the Asian looking folks. And they're, yeah, great work ethic, those ones. Yeah. Um, they're probably all dead now uh, since we pulled out. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, because they were always persecuted anyway. Yeah, they were, because yeah. I remember they were, they were like, a, like racially, they were the, the yeah. minority there. Yeah. The Pashtuns yeah. was the most of the dudes, mm. yeah. So, mate, if this is your mentality, if you're like, you know, an out-of-the-box sinker, ADHD, or because were you diagnosed young? I've never been diagnosed. Okay, all right. So I let's just... I don't really see the benefit, the, the apart point. from if I want to write a paper and sit down and get the, um, the focus. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm managing it on the boat. That's another story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just that's for argument's sake, yeah. we'll put you in that kind of category. Yeah. And you're at third battalion... It's like this is the way we've always done it, sort of thing. Hate regular it. army. Hate okay, it. yeah. I was yeah. going to say. I don't. I don't do well in the regular army at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, taking those instructions and everything. I said, well, people go, but yeah, but in special forces, you are. Yes, you are. Except the instruction is, there's our goal. Get there. Outcome based, not process based. Yeah. 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 And there is still enough instruction, so everybody needs some structure. And there's just enough in there to, to give us that guide to, uh, to achieve more than anything any of us would really normally be expected we should be able to, and over yeah. and above. And, you know, so my dream, once again going back to the childhood, was to be in special forces. I had the Elite Magazine subscription and you know, uh, Great Battles of the 20th Century and all that sort of stuff on, on the um, bookshelf. But, and I wanted to be special forces. And I remember my grandfather saying that he wanted to be a para and he wanted to do that. And I, all right, well, I'm going to be better than you. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, I don't see that there's anything wrong with that. It's, you know, I want to be better than you because I'm better than you and I just want to do better than what you did, my hero. Or I want to achieve that. And so I thought, well, that's, that's the best that we can be. And so... Um, I did break my pelvis in 96 and got told I was a bit lucky to walk again. But um, In a jump? Motorbike. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, spent a couple of months in hospital and then came back eventually and, um, yeah, eventually did selection. 
and clearance divers acceptance test because SOCOM lost my paperwork and said, no, we don't have a record of that. So stuff it, I'm going to the Navy. <laughs> oh, so you, you put in for the, so the carter course and then they, they, they cooped it. And they, they, I wouldn't even know where your paperwork is. So I went and did CDAP for clearance divers and so you have to do the ship's divers course and then to be able to do CDAP and then did that and got accepted and then they said, oh, we found your paperwork. So I thought, oh, well, I'm not going to knock that paperwork back. I'm going to go and do selection. But if they don't take me, I've got this. Yeah. And so I went and did selection and they took me. So what year was that? Uh, 2003. 03. Oh, you did 03? Yeah, yeah, sweet. Started 03. I did the summer one. Glad well, yeah, one of the last summer ones Perfect we were summer, allowed to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think summer's better than winter. I don't like the cold these days. I'm a big fan, mate, yeah. No. <laughs> No, so, um, yeah, so that was, yeah, the ADHD. So, yeah, that gives you enough structure to, to flourish. And once again, ADHD, um, autism, they're still within the human genome if you look at Carl Jung's archetypes. So artisans, you've got to create stuff. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you, your healers, well, we've got to find new ways of, fixing things that are going wrong. Warriors, you need a certain type of person to go out there and do that and be able to come back to the village and be part of the village. Hunters even, yeah. um, you know, teachers. All those people that are pushing the envelope, like your Elon Musk, your Richard Bransons, um, anyone you can think of that go, yeah, they're, they're not quite normal. Um, and they're not, they're pushing the envelope. It's high risk, all the high reward stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the thing is it takes a certain type of person to step outside of what is normal. Is Well, you want us to all be normal? Well, there's no evolution there. That's what I think I posted recently, a thought that came to me, and I'm sure it's not original, is you know, comfort and evolution are mutually exclusive. But you don't go to the gym and be comfortable and expect to grow. Yeah. You sit here and go, oh, why aren't I fit? You know, why aren't things happening? And so, you know, I've managed to, without that structure as well, so that's what I was saying. That all occurs within a tribe, and you, it's a competence-based hierarchy, and the better warrior or the better hunter or the better you are at anything, the better mate you have, and the better chance your children are surviving. And so it's evolutionary, and so it's a competence-based hierarchy within a shame-based society. Now, warrior culture is shame-based, and so all those people that are having a go at warrior culture, it's, it's shame-based. And what I mean by that is, and this is Stephen Pressfield's words, uh, you don't want to let your mate down. I don't want to let the team down. I don't want to stuff this up. I've got to be a good operator. I've got to be here. And that what is what leads us to do retarded stuff <laughs> for other people that we won't do for ourselves. And so there is a structure and a hierarchy and so we have that, but we're all about the team and that's what makes a good operator. And so once again, I'm not here because it's just what I did. I got Tony, Matt, Simon Levine, um, Wayne, Darren, um, so all the guys I worked with at Three Squadron, like, uh, and the Beagles, um, 
and out of other troops, Clay, I gotta mention, who, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's Darren. It's, you know, we're talking about this kill culture. Well, Darren said, well, it shouldn't exist because, okay, well, you got the killer. Well done, tough guy. Did you do it on your own? No. No. And so, and this is where that numbers thing comes from. It's a hierarchy-based thing. We saw it in our, um, in Vietnam. It creates more killing, and that's what's put on you by the hierarchy. And so, it, and we'll get in. And so, once again, it's that ADHD thing is, requires some some structure to, and guidance. Uh, and without that you fall apart and I've managed to fuck my life right up. Um, yeah, sitting in a prison cell in, in Europe going, I didn't choose this, but I did. Everything good and bad that happens to you, you choose. Yeah. Um, so once you come to that realisation, um, you've got a chance at least to fix it. And so anyway, we get back to the, the, um, the kill count. Uh, now that's put on us by the hierarchy to get the numbers up. So, I mean, how do you, what, what feedback do you give to the command that you success? Well, that this number of jobs has found this much, we killed these many, blah, blah, blah. And if there's no investigations, then obviously they were righteous killings. But, um, interestingly, they were never investigated, but if our dog bit somebody, then there would be a problem. I mean, imagine you have to have a, a quick as assessment and there'd be a little investigation. And hang on a second. We got a number of KIAs and a dog bite. We're worried about a dog bite, a non-lethal um, battle operating system, essentially. Uh, so, and that, that, that comes from a lack of knowledge in the hierarchy. Uh, and so back to the dog thing, so we... 2005, we went to do the Air Force dog handlers course and came back to the regiment as Air Force dog handlers. Like, what the hell? Whereas the idea from came from uh, CAG, where one of the squadrons went and worked with them and said, These dogs are amazing. CAG said, Yeah, come over, do the course, we'll give you the dogs. Um, we went the cheap option. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so was that a, so CAG reached out obviously you guys have got a relationship with them well we were they, the squadron went on over there and went on exercise with them and so got exposed to this capability and yeah this is amazing yeah. and they do they're great force multiplier force protection um, allow so much more freedom of movement just through their, their senses and, uh, we did not know what we had Back in 2005, when we did the course, yeah, we had to walk the flight line with a long lead, do area security, do policing operations um, on domestic ter territory, and then we went back and said, uh, "Let's make this up." Yeah, and there's got to be more to this. Yeah, then I took dogs to um, to East Timor, chasing Renato, um, and sacked both of those. They were just not the dogs we were after. And then um, that was 2007. Oh, can I, I want to dial back just, yeah. just a second. So selection was 2003. Mm. We've all heard about selection. Yeah. 
get in the unit, um, and you were straight to three squadron? One, uh, one squadron. One B, squadron. B troop. Okay, right, yeah. gotcha. Did yeah. you do a trip before you were a canine handler when you first got in? Like, no. were you straight overseas? No. Okay. No, no so 2003, Iraq was going on. We were always on Rio, um, and the first, and then, you know, Afghan had already been and gone. Um, so, yeah, it's not, not till 2006, seven that we started going anywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So those were your first trips. Yeah. yeah. But I was in the bad books from a, some other stuff that had gone on external to the unit. Um, my old bouncing uh, past friends had caught up with me. And um, anyway, long story short, there was no, no, nothing to be answered there. And I got put back into the squadrons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it started 2007 and went to East Timor. Um, and then came back a couple of weeks later, went to Afghanistan. So I think I was in Australia for about three weeks that year. Yeah, nice. Because yeah. <laughs> I did two double dual rotations in um, Afghanistan because the next squadron didn't have a handler and they said, you want to stay? I said, hell yeah. Oh, shit. So you, you didn't even go home. You just went back to back like... Yeah. I did go home for one week because 2007 my grandfather died and they said, yep, yep gotcha. there's a war, here we go back. I got read the eulogy and back on the plane back in theatre in a week. So it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting year. Yeah. And good times. And so 2005, the, you're doing the RAF handler course. Yeah. And that was a bit keel and method, yank and crank sort of stuff. Yeah, crank and yank and, um, uh, yeah, just beating the dogs down. And I'd always, you know, growing up with the horses and the dogs, and everybody said, oh, your, your animals always seem to just enjoy hanging out with you. And I guess I just wanted them to be themselves. And, you know, so there's still a personality. We also need a little bit of structure. Yeah. And, you know, you saw what... Preston's like he's good. I don't need a lead on him. Yeah. Um, you know, we just need, and I got him because he was. Uh, they're going to put him down for behavioural issues. Oh shit. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'll give him a go. He's a Malinois crossed with a, a healer. Yeah, he's got that thick body. Yeah. So, so that's ADHD. <laughs> Yeah. So you're going to be that problem child who's got behavioural problems. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's crazy. And they don't, they don't know how to deal with it, so they just like knock him on the head. Yeah, yeah. And, and unless you have that firm hand or know what you're doing, um, no family's going to want that. Oh, they want the little cute labradoodle or whatever and something that's nice and easy. Um, he is nice and easy now. He's, he's a manipulator. <laughs> I was gonna say he's a pretty chill. Like he seems super chill. Like oh yeah. And I yeah. always ask before patting the yeah. dog because I'm like, oh yeah. fuck, I don't know. Like is he? No, he's he's not super chill. But no, he's good. Yeah. Man. He's super chill. Yeah, he just knows his space. So there was one point there, and and I got him, and I was lying on him, chewing on his ear in the middle of a park. People were around looking, what the hell's going on here? Once again, that's that's that little bit of argy bargy, and so you're gonna be able to take it. Take it to him when um, when he decides he wants to be alpha. Well, that's just the way of the world. Who's going to be the alpha? Um, well, we just find out whenever, whenever <laughs> somebody wants to challenge it. <laughs> You'll yeah. find out today. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, and that that was a funny thing. I know um, Johnny with Cougar, um, notorious Cougar. Any Cougar, anyone that was a handler, he would want to take on. The other operators, 
Oh, not so bad. Yeah, you get a pat, whatever. Anyone that was a dog handler, <laughs> he, he was testing the whole time. And so, you know, Johnny, I know, would be having to take care of that in the middle of a contact. Uh, and I've, I've experienced the same thing with, with Risha, you know, in, um, in Chora Valley and Matt Locke's just being killed and Kazavaka were under fire. And, and that's when Risha decides, oh, I'm going to have to take a bite out of you now. And so I'm trying to do this, and sitting up in the, the trench there, the little drain on the in the orchard guard. I'm not doing nothing for my profile right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other guys are just like, what the hell? <laughs> you're 6'3", right? 6'3", at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've probably shrunk a bit since I'm getting old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's funny stuff. And, and that's, you got to be able to, Take that, and the thing is, that's the dogs that we have. There were nicer ones. Uh, Devil, he just got on with business. He didn't care. Um, Quake, uh, so they died within a week of each other. Quake, I know, saved my life that day and the life of the handler because we were sweeping forward into a, a dead canyon. They had it, uh, the front of the canyon stitched up. Uh, helicopters were receiving fire on insert. Um, so we slithered down the back of the canyon and flushed them out, but it was a, there was a, a spring in there. And so hot weather, Afghanistan, spring, it was just, it was pure jungle. And so the dog was out in front, just you know, and sprung the ambush and we flushed them out and uh, into the other guys and took them, took them out. Without that, we would have, we wouldn't have been able to do it like that. Mate, was that, was Ryan Wilson in yeah. that contact? Yep. Yeah. I, yep. Ha I had... I had him on the potty. Yeah, yeah, I listened to some of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He ran through that. Um, yeah, Matt, it was unreal the way he told the story. I did, yeah. Just some of the the minutia. Yeah, like he was talking about doing mouth to mouth, the the nose breathing in the nose stuff, and he's like, I don't know how to do mouth to mouth. It sounded fucking horrendous. Yeah. So, um, is it the same one? Or Maybe, maybe he he was going. Th he was talking about a, a very similar sort of story. Um, I've forgotten the name of the yeah, dog. So this is twenty twelve. <sighs> Might have been twenty eleven. Yeah. I think they were heading to an, an extraction. Uh, so that would have been. Was that one one squadron? Mm, maybe I've forgotten, man. Oh, or was it when Cougar got shot? Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, just yeah. sort of... No, Quake got, Quake got killed instantly. Jeez, he stunk. We carried him. We ended up staying overnight. And, um, because there was so much more that we found out. And then just ran out of um, crew hours for the day. So slept out there that night. Um, cleaned up the next morning and um, found some more stuff. But yeah. Yeah, and that's where... Like, I nearly got killed then clearing other bunkers. They're like, why didn't you have the dog? <laughs> You've just been killed, and so that's a really important lesson that we don't throw them away. Like pushing forward, we try to keep them under under cover. Like we're covering each other. Then another operator, you don't go out uh, without your oppo, and so you know we don't throw them away and just you know, fucking come and brief. Because is anyone any, our dog handler going? Oh, has anyone seen the dog? because we heard the shots and we, the contact was on, but yeah. Um, yeah, we found him afterwards. But he'd done his job, so better him than us, but um, yeah, just didn't, you still 
then we've still got more work to do. It's not like we're throwing them away. Yeah. Uh, they are a high, high value asset. Um, and they're our mate. And so, yeah, we've had a couple of ramp ceremonies for dogs and um, I've carried the, the casket as well for baits and um, I think the dogs ones were <laughs> the hardest. And you know, I mentioned Matty Lock getting killed after the contact. It was like, oh, well, free pats. Because normally when the dog's on, on, on job, the harness is on, nobody pats the dog. Yeah. Um, there's like, the harness is off, we're in a secure location, free pats. And so what they did for, um, for morale, for us, uh, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. It's more than just their, uh, the capability they bring yeah, in the yeah. battle space. So, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of intangibles, eh? Yeah, um, so yeah, they, that, and that was the best job in the world. Like I became, ended up becoming a patrol commander. We talked before about what's your dreams, and like I thought I was just going to get to the SAS, and now I've been part of creating a capability like that for so command. And then I also became a patrol commander, and I've exceeded all my dreams here. Yeah, it was just, um, and so that's where it was certainly the best job in the world, that dog handling. Yeah, um, and and I think part of that and that ADHD and autism is is new capabilities, like pushing new boundaries, and that's where special forces is. You know, they're supposed to be the the uh, R and D department for the military. Essentially, you're the R and D department, so and then you hand back, and that's what Wayne did you know, with the combat shooting and the training. Um, yeah, we we learn about that because how we were training people was terrible. You know, so we should be training our people like dogs. Treat your men like dogs. And I say that <laughs> smiling because you know, this is how, how I learnt uh, my Rio cycle. I endured the training and worked out, okay, through the door, I've got to have my gun here and the safety's on and then I've got to shoot that one and that one and then the safety, safety's on. Or no, you'll like me to go through like this, or the other one will like me to go through like that, and that's how I'm going to do it. So I'm pleasing the directing staff, and I'm not solving the problem in front of me, which made going downrange really interesting because you soon realise that yeah. you haven't been trained for any of this at all. It's what? insane. Yeah, what's also insane? And what's then when like? it comes back to our dogs, we train them for this. We don't train ourselves for this. And in fact, if we treated our dogs the same as we treat our people, we have no dogs. And that's why we got Risha. Because yeah. they couldn't do anything with him. Yeah. I mean, I always said that the dogs were a metaphor for us, mm. the way that they, they treated them. It sounds like there's probably some parallels there between those early days as well. Yeah, you remember when that combat shooting came in and, um, and the uh, reality-based training stuff. I was like, oh... That's what I'm doing with the dogs. But it was just intuitive, like it was nothing scientific. But then we could, I see a lot of it's neurolinguistic programming, so some would argue that it's not science, it's pseudoscience. Having said that, it works. Uh, so whatever, call it whatever you will. And so that added, I would say, science to it, or a way of thinking. And so this is the whys. What I'm doing is intuitively works, and it's what I grew up with the horses and the and the dogs playing with them. I learnt that then, 
while I was playing soldiers. So what is this child going to be when they grow up? <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was when the capability got offered, uh, and I know I'm jumping around here, 2005, I'm going, I was just hounding, that's all I wanted to do. Oh, really? I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that and be a dog hound. When did it start? Was I became annoying. Is that because, like, did they, did someone ID you? Or they said, hey, it's between horse and John? No, they, were, they, oh, they guys came back from CAG and started talking about, oh, yeah, they're writing papers to get this up. And I just said, who are going to talk to? I'm, I want to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, instead of knowing work, a yeah. little bit more about you now, it seemed like a really natural... I didn't realise you had a lot of history with animals when mm. you were younger and whatnot. Yeah. But it sounds like it was a very natural way for you to go. Like yeah. you'd be inclined to be like, hey, let's fucking, I'll do that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, this is the best job in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you were born for it. So once again, that archetype thing, is that why I was naturally curious to follow um, or, or go. And so Plato was right. Yeah. Yeah, guide them. And that's where uh, I'm now doing a bit more teaching. Um, well, my intention was Engl teaching English as a foreign language. So I just do a certification for that. But enjoy it because I'm never going to teach anyone anything ever again, but I'll be an enabler to their learning. And there's a big difference. Teaching puts it on me. I can't teach these kids anything. Well, they, they, they won't. Not doing what I told them to do. It's, well, I'm going to guide you on that journey, and so that requires buy-in from them, and and essentially a step back and a disposing of the ego from me too, and then and, and creating that learning environment for them, to, so they can follow their where their curiosity takes them. That's important, and they'll flourish if they can do that. And I see our school system's not. It's not set up at all, and so we come back to that control. And that's you know what I do with the kids is dog training, and I do have done a little bit of work with autistic kids, and I ran some camps. Um, and it was really really cool, uh, just tra training the kids like dogs. You can't tell the parents that, okay? Um, I think it's just the vernacular they probably it get is. It is. hung up on. Like, yeah. like he's not a dog. You're like, oh, it's learning theory. Yeah, it's the same shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and so all of that and uh, just treat them like dogs and they loved it. I had to actually, the hardest thing running those things is getting the parents and the, well, the adult, any adults there to step back and yeah. shut up. Oh, but they'll stuff it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the learning is. They will, a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll probably I, do it a bunch of times. I'll be surprised if they don't and if they don't, I haven't made it hard enough. Yeah. And it's not that I want them to fail. In fact, if I make it what I think's hard and they succeed, that's pretty cool. We can take it to the next level. I, it is, at the same time, it is possible to get jackpot on a hundred poking machines. It's unlikely. So yeah. they could have just jagged it and said, that, that needs to be also looked into. Replicated. And replicated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the same as dog training. Okay, well, I need that replicated several times before I go to the next level. Uh, and so we know that it's, well, we're still building a foundation to build on. Uh, we need to know that it wasn't just a, a fluke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And is this the sort of stuff you were trying to do at that, so like, let's say 2005, 2007, even before your first trip, is this the sort of stuff you were doing? You were just like, like, you've told me to do the fucking yank and crank, but like, yeah. let's fucking do something. Yeah, I, well, I would go and do my own stuff. And yeah, now, yeah. <sighs> it's like you, you do your certification and they're like, oh, yep, left, right. Yeah, yeah, and Then yeah. you go off and you're like, oh, let's do something different. Yeah, you know, and that's where Richard, he, he wouldn't take the crank and yank. He's, yeah. he's badass, that dog. Uh, and, you know, he, I'd give him a pat and he'd lean in and go, what do you want me to do? Oh, okay, let's give you a bit more freedom. And goes against everything I've been told here. It's, and then, yeah, it worked. Yeah. And we still had our little arguments here and there. Um, so he wanted to have a challenge. And it was sort of the time, it was good. Yeah. Uh, little scratches and bumps and bites and... Old Rex got me a good one here. He's still got an alligator bite there in my, in my ribs. Um, yeah, they're, they're the ones you kind of want. Although Rex was a bit too crazy, so we didn't retire him. But um, Risha got retired. Uh, but yeah, he even gave me 10 stitches here in Afghanistan, the koala one night. Oh, fuck, I can see it. Yeah, there's five there and five there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just doing a cereal in the dark training TK and then he'd come off the bite and we're going forward this way to f do more cereals and I step forward with this foot, this leg, as he's kind of going like that in the dark and his nose is bumped, just chomp. <laughs> <laughs> Ten stitches. Like, oh, okay, come on, you didn't mean it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's one of those moments where you're like, Intuitively, you probably want to go, no, whatever, but... Yeah, I did grab it and go, no, that's good, good boy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. essentially... he came like straight off, he knew he'd done the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's where, he, once again, getting out of your own way is, is important with the animals. When they finally do come back to you, where's a good boy? Well done. <laughs> 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 it's counterintuitive, hey? Like, I never got bitten or anything like that, but yeah. I've had a few mates that did and it was... That was kind of how it was, you know, like, oh, they missed the fucking sleeve and they hit the dude and yeah, like, some oh, of good them boy, were, good boy, let's get him off quickly, quickly. Yeah, yeah, some of them will just work their way, like if you've got a bite suit on with no gloves, they'll, they'll work their way down to, to that hand. Yeah. Yeah, they're cheeky buggers. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, can I, can I get into a little bit of the minutiae, maybe not too much, of your first trip? So 2007... Yeah, if that's correct, because you, you said they did the back-to-back the -back trips. Um, the first sort of portion, that was your first ever trip as a cat, right? Uh, so I did go to East Timor, oh, chasing Renato. Timor, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was a different dynamic again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was the first trip to Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that was really interesting because. I mentioned before that I was in East Timor in 2001. Now, that was with 4RL. Then All right. the, the predecessor to two commandos. So they had still had the commando uh, in brackets after 4RL. Yeah. You know, uh, so a lot of the guys from that trip that I was in, in B Company with were now you know, team commanders and one of the platoon commanders, Langers, it's now the OC. Rufus was the CSM. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I used to be at three hour hour as well. So yeah. Yeah, so uh, these are all my peers. So why on B 
bringing this up. It's interesting that I get to my first trip in Afghanistan and my OC said, I don't have any use for dogs. Oh, well, what am I going to do? He says, oh, the commandos can have you. Now, that was three squadron, 2007. They had a horrible trip under that guy. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't enjoy life at all. I went over to the commandos and Lang and says, and Cole have gone, oh, hey, horse, how are you going? And what do you got? They go, I'm still working it out. Can I come and play with you guys? <laughs> they said. Do it. And so I went out with them and, um, yeah, worked, worked, and Risha did, I think, 16 hits in 14 days under Langers, um, just in and around Mirambad, um, just going in day night. And so each of the platoons was flip-flopping, so one would go to Overwatch and the other would go in and do the, the hits. But I was going in with them all, and we, we were shagged after that. It was just, yeah, there was no point having up the OP or whatever, yeah. Yeah, trying to sleep in the, in the desert, go back, like, so you're doing five, ten k's, stomp into target and out, as well as doing the job every day. Then you come back and you just put your hoochie up. Where's that sun going to come up? It's like, <laughs> like the prison planet in Riddick. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but, you know, as the sun comes up, it's just a furnace. And yeah. so if you, like Afghanistan in the desert, if you had a toe poking out, just sun come up and, and it fucking it. comes up early too yeah, like yeah, four so o'clock it starts it you're this? like come on bro yeah 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 um and what so what was the did you get into any ticks in Timor or was it not yeah like that? yep okay yeah yeah to, so that would have been the first one yeah so when when we went up up the hill and did the initial hit um bad intelligence it was the wrong went with the wrong um building but there was more intelligence that came in as we arrived on the target and they still prosecuted the original building. So once again, there's a good lesson to you know, adjust your plan as you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we've seen that a few times and that's how people get killed. Uh, we will continue on this route, on this task, on this timeline. It's almost like asteroids do not concern me. <laughs> Wars, yeah. Um, Waco IEDs do not concern me boom yes that was was 2009 maybe I think but that was another thing probably cut that out yeah yeah Um, what else where were we going I I was just I wanted to know about your first the first time you got into a tick yeah it was a bit confusing there was some cracks overhead I uh, saw some fleeting movement. Um, I wasn't sure of my background because I'm now up on the hill and they're down below me fleeing through and I know we've got cordons down there. Um, so that was it. And then turn around to prosecute the actual target where we did have some people. Uh, I do remember in the dark getting my 40 mic, mic and um, putting some gas round through a, an open slit door. Got it in? Got it in. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Nobody to see it. <laughs> and no helmet cameras back then either, yeah. I would not have worn... I didn't wear a helmet camera even when they were available. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I understand that there's uh, benefits in policing, the way that 
profile is. Uh, so definitely always a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was a posterity thing, you know, like... I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the way I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get, yeah, people want the, the cool troop video. Um, what are we there for? It's my thing. Yeah. yeah. But I was just one of those grumpy old people who didn't go to tour de force or anything like that either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that stupid music thing yeah, that would whatever, go around. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Although I must say, I did bump into the Buffalo Jills at Kandahar Airport. So the Buffalo Bills uh, cheerleaders. Yeah, that was cool. Good to go. Yeah, yeah. that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just a grubby grunt with a dog. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were more interested in the dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was Risha the sort of dog you could pat? Yeah, when, when yeah. So the I mean, that's the interesting thing is we went from you know, guys asking, why is he so angry? And 2007 he was but then as we found our space and then we gradually developed the TTPs um, speaking of that we, we didn't have e-collars in the early days so it was quite stressful to let your dog off yeah yeah because uh, it's it one thing worse than having your dog killed downrange is, is losing him and I always said so that's where the e-collars came in, in well and then actually it enhanced the training, and I think they're one of the more humane methods that you can use, which is insane why certain states in this country are banning it and others are looking at doing it. Yeah, I've had that discussion a few yeah. times with some guys on, on the potty, and yeah. it's an interesting space, man, because there's... Yeah. Well, Preston's got one on, so you, he hears the jingle jingle of it, and he'll come running, he goes, it's time to go, we're going somewhere. Condition response means something good, something no, exciting. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's happy to have it on. Um, yeah. His hearing gets a lot better too. But he knows. <laughs> yeah, he gets um, more responsive. And, and even with Risha, I, and that's what allowed him to go out further and, and we had that, that communication and that Pavlovian stimulus response feedback. Okay, he knows if he's not going to come, he's going to get the stim. So... And it just embedded those behaviours. And then after a while, you don't need to have the e-collar on. I'd just leave the, the handset behind. Although he did work out who had the handset. Oh, okay. He knew what, yeah, he knew what that was too. Yeah. So really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that a few times. Like, yeah. um, like they obviously don't understand that there's a radio frequency being transmitted, but they, they understand yeah. maybe this it action. Or, together, yeah. Yeah, this holding the thing. Yeah, because yeah. we were trying to get him uh, a negative association to gunfire and so I'd, I'd be shooting and he'd be there and somebody else would be giving him the stim while he was barking to kind of... It was all wrong, what we were doing, don't worry. Yeah, so <laughs> this, <laughs> so yeah. Out right but, but, yeah while we were going through into his process, I'm like, well, I can't shoot and do that. Can somebody else do it? And then we can control it a little bit better and... He knew they had it. Yeah. He knew it. Um, so, yeah, he's smarter, much smarter than we were, that's for sure. Because you wouldn't have known, like, how, how dogs learn properly back then, and you're like, well, the association, and you're like, can, yeah. he, can he see things? Does he understand this? Well, what are they seeing? They go over sync. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's what actually helped us get through, is starting to look at it through their eyes. Um, look at the intelligence behind the mistake. And so if, 
if we do that with the operators, then we can un we can actually learn things from the guys, because you know in NLP they said the, the the map is not the territory. You've got your map, I got my map. The territory is all this, but how we navigate it is different because we've developed different maps over time, and so we've got these people coming into the Rio cycle from all different backgrounds, and they're doing something weird. Instead of going, that's terrible, you're doing the wrong thing, that's Socratic questioning. Oh, what's going on now? Optimal, not optimal, what are you trying to do? This, this and this. Ah. Now, now as an instructor I understand why they're doing it and the logic behind why they're doing it. Now, sometimes they could just be having a meltdown too. It really gives us an opportunity to, to learn and grow, whereas we used to have the team's going to come in here, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, and if they don't do it, what I want them to do, then they're all in trouble as opposed to something weird going on here, what's going on? Oh, I'm trying to do this and we're, we've got this happening here, so what I was thinking was, now, that's what we want, we want thinking soldiers. Yeah. And so it comes back to the ADHD. There's your goal. You've got enough room to move and to think um, and then they can bring their own experiences to the game. And I've actually had to go sometimes go, okay, that's pretty cool. I need to go and rebrief the enemy because I hadn't thought of what you thought of and I think it's a good idea. And we're going, let's, let's put it in there. And so that's cool too. Yeah. As an instructor, I have come up with that or, or people doing what sounds like some funky stuff. This young fellow, you know, he knows that the enemy speak English, and he's gone, stoppage. And because he'd seen when he yells at stoppage, the enemy will come out. So he's gone, stoppage, and just nailed him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know, you see things like that. Cause, and you don't get that when I go, go through here, and go, safety, safety, oh, safety. Yeah, you're not getting that. Yeah. And you're getting that thinking soldier, and that was gold. And I think particularly for you guys, because you, if I'm not mistaken, you guys recruit from defence-wide, yeah. not just army, That's right? That's correct, yeah. So you'd get a more eclectic bunch of military experience. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we had the DRS program too, so there was a lot more eclectic life experience in, in sort of our yeah. guys as well. Yeah, well, it's, there's, there's less regimented thinking by the time they get to you because it's coming by a, there's a short circuited process I guess yeah they don't get through um, a lot of the yeah maybe the cultural conditioning yeah and so while there's that's useful having once again it's that eclectic mix uh, and bringing all of that experience to bear because you know, excellence in isolation is seldom achieved and so that's where you need to go out to different sources and, um, and specialists in each individual field and it's you know when we go to dog trains for we go to medics, we go to free fallers, we go to dive companies, um, pilots expertise, so we can pick up our little industry best standards and um, and then maybe apply it and tweak it to, to how we need to. Yeah. The skills that you're expected to keep up, like it's insane, isn't it? Mate, roping, dems, driving, shooting, medics, radios, yeah. in, all the insertion methods, parachuting. Um, battle yeah. operating systems, and you know, and so then, and then, and this is where the ADHD comes in. Um, so I talk about the art and science of war. Now, people throw that around a little bit, but 
art and science of war, what does that even mean? Well, mentioned creative, ADHD people, uh, you've got the science, which is, okay, what type of ammunition does that gun take? How far can it shoot? What effect does it have? What airframe is overhead? What plane? What's it carrying? How far can it go? Can it be detected? Or can it pick us up and take us somewhere? Um, how long have we got it for? Um, what's the enemy's weapons do? Okay, and, and which one of those have we got today? Where is it? And what is our outcome? And so I can array those all in a specific way, in an optimal fashion to achieve missing success. And so that's the art, is bringing all of those, or the ones you have to, on the day, and arraying them, there's the art. And so that's the art and science at war, as I understand it. And so when people think of a soldier as just this caveman, <laughs> well, I want the thinking soldier that's going to cause stoppage and the one who's going to be, have that art, that creativity to array the science in a fashion that they're going to achieve mission success on the day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you've got all of those skill sets that they need to maintain as well. So, everybody is on the spectrum of ADHD and special forces. I mean, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It's it's possible to not be and still pass and get there. I suppose. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, chatting to Pat Stewart. It's a likelihood that anybody that's going to be not quite like that is even going to think about doing it, <laughs> let alone doing it, is, is improbable. Well, possible. Yeah. 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 I was chatting to Pat Stewart about this exact same thing, and we were just talking about looking for the right kind of broken person, mm. like the right kind of crazy, if you know yeah. what I mean. And there's, there's a, I'm sure there's a bit of a balance there. Oh, we're all broken. Yeah. But. When I say broken, we're not broken. We are considered to be broken. So there's nothing to be fixed here, is the other point. Yeah. But there's nothing to be fixed. Uh, we've just got to get a handle on our shit. Um, so when we're put into special forces, like I said, I, what we achieve and what we did uh, in that environment with those, with those guys, with our mates, um, and, what we're, and so they were all enablers, um, is insane because the other option is you're probably going to end up as a criminal. Yeah, mate. Right. Like there's there's your options, right? Yeah. And so you can, and so well, which one's broken? Neither of them are broken. It's just we had the better opportunities and made better choices, and so we've just got to make better choices. And once again, Stephen Pressfield sums it up with his Turning Pro book. Is the amateur life and there's a professional life. Okay, so let's have a drink. Okay, what would the amateur do and what would the professional do? Well, professional will drink uh, soda water, thank you. The amateur will, oh, let's have some beers. And, you know, and so that, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, things are getting a bit ahead of me. Oh, I'm going to check out with drugs or whatever. You know, I've been down that pathway. And so we know... Or do you lean into the problem? Uh, professional amateur. That's it's that simple. It doesn't cost. I guess you'll say it doesn't cost anything. 
um, except a little bit of willpower. And so there's no money. It's free. Um, you got to you know, set, set your environment by making those enjoy, those choices. And so going and doing selection and all these things, we, once again, comfort and evolution are mutually exclusive. So we went through discomfort and that evolution then, then followed on. And I think this is where the snowplow parents, we're fucking getting that wrong. And so there's a lot of money to be made in going around talking about resilience and... Um, Talking to these broken people that have been created, not a lot of money in going back and get people like us into early age care or childhood learning centres. and Because that's what I found when I was working with autistic kids in school in Stockholm. Uh, there was young boys at the, what's called normal school who would gravitate towards me because they, deep down inside, they there's something that resonates in a manly man, um, how he walks, how he carries himself around, um, that, that they're attracted to or drawn to. Cause, you, know, you get to a certain age, dad is no longer your role model. You're looking at other, for other role models. What else is around? What, what should I be? What am I going to be? Where do I fit in? How do I fit in? How do I do that? And, and then they're attracted to, to that. Uh, that's what I found is I was able to have some, some fun with the young fellas there, challenging them on their thoughts and telling the gym to have thoughts this is the other thing. So too often today with this snowplow stuff, there's also a lot of controlling of speech. Whereas what's this white male privilege? I haven't experienced any of that. Um, yeah, I'm waiting for my bloody... Privileged to come in, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love a bit yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah I'd sort some of that. Because, <laughs> oh, you know, we're the ones that are dying at war on the building sites of suicide. Doesn't sound terribly privileged. Women and children first. And I get it. That's evolutionary. And that, but you only need one man that you can have many women to perpetuate the species. Now that, Somebody will have a problem with that. <laughs> Sounds like they. <laughs> I think I most mean, of my audience yeah. is overly concerned yep. about most of that sort of stuff, mate. And, and so, so women and children first, because that perpetuates the species. They're the future, and so, and that, that once again come back to the tribe. And I can't remember where I was going with that. What were we talking about? Oh man, I've forgotten as well. Yeah. <laughs> It, was interesting. it doesn't help that we're both fucking ADHD as fuck. Yeah, yeah, and I do this. So I'll go around in circles, and then eventually I'll come back and I'll close that loop and go, "Yeah, see, nailed it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, you're like, "What the yeah. fuck are we going on?" Oh, yeah, that's what we were talking about. So um, paving the way, ADHD, um, helicopter, yeah, the kids, fuck. Yeah, it's gone. That's all good. I shouldn't have stopped. I should have kept going. Who no, would have right. got there? Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll keep us on track then because I want to round out your military career. I want to... Because what, what years did you go to Afghanistan? Seven, eight, nine, um, a week with Julia Gillard, 10, 11, 12. So six trips. It's pretty decent. I did two in 07. So so I did, I did double rotation. Yeah. And all as a handler? No. 
No, it was two IC, and I also did a working with other government agencies <laughs> job in Kabul. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as well as East Timor, we went twice. Risha went to Timor as well. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, the Timor thing, that's a, uh, like obviously I wasn't around in the Timor days mm. and it was sort of over by the time I was in the military. Yeah, so, so, so I, this is 07. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, six, seven, eight. We went to Timor chasing Renato. So there was a resurgence. And, you know, like he killed a whole lot of cops and police. He wanted a meeting. He was just a gangster. Um, but yeah, but there was 01 as well. So uh, we had four out. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we'd. Uh, I won't throw any names here on the podcast, but we'd we'd have a lot of mutual friends too. Yeah. from that sort of era. Yeah, and so yeah. that you know that reminds me of something with the dog capability is when I said I want to get this back to, to the commandos, I'd have people going, up and going, "What do you want to give it to them for?" And so it's for me, it's that R and D. Well, if this is good for us, they're on the same team, shouldn't they have it? And, you know, our mission profiles are very similar. And so your commandos were the, um, the, the strike force. You, know? you do raids, dogs. And even when you're tooling around the desert doing whatever as well, dogs are handy out there, use them for engineers for, for path clearing. And you also went up, out there doing setup on opportunity in case. Um, on order jobs, you know, we're prepared to you know, take down that compound, and so having a dog there is part of that. Uh, I always believed, and once again, back to 07, you guys helped me develop the capability. Yeah, I got much more out of that trip than I would have with my own crew. Um, 100%. Uh, yeah, and enjoyed that. It's just interesting though, because you. Like you, I didn't realise that because I, I I never knew you deployed with with uh, the commandos back in the day. Like you were attached yeah. until I spoke to to Dave Parker and a couple of guys. Yeah. Um. So how were you using the dog back then? Were you like obviously you're part of the assault force, but were you like yeah? So we were long line. Or was there, was there yeah? So I was involved? sort of just cracking off lead, but I'd get to the compound door and push him in because once again I didn't have an e car. We didn't have cameras. Yeah. It was single purpose as well, so there's not um, explosive trained. Uh, that that came in next year in '08 when the engineers were having trouble getting to target because they were not fit and incapable, and their dogs were a bit sketchy too. Um, and so, not all of them. Um, got a good mate, Pom, who yeah, he, he was with us in 2012 with a little dog digger. They were amazing. Um, still good mates with him. He's uh, living up here as well. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, good guy. Funny. He was on a podcast with Jace Kelly. Yeah, yeah, semi, yeah. Semi that's right. yeah, 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 yeah. Pom. Yeah, yeah. Love him. Um, great guy. And so there's good and bad everywhere. But it's non-permissive environment. So there's good and bad um, people clearing the um, route for you. Well, well, that's not really acceptable, and that's why, why we were there before, during, and after work, doing everything we could for the dogs. Because it's once again, warrior culture, folks, is shame based. Yeah, that's it. Because uh, you don't want to let the team down. Yeah. And so then we thought, right, oh well, let's dual purpose the dogs. Well, we're still not going to clear routes. 
because there's just too much training in post. So yeah, we were more year. about external caches because we figure, well, if we're indoors, it's a small environment, we've got a pretty good chance of finding a cache or the engineers can go and do that one. We'll post a salt, we'll go and do the, the outdoors and actually that's where a lot of it was. Uh, we, where we succeeded with the dual purpose is, we said, okay, what are we looking for in Afghanistan? We're not looking for pure C4, we're not looking for military-grade deck cord, um, we're looking for ammonium nitrate, HME, aluminium. Um, okay, well, people go, oh, well, we're after AMFO. Okay, AMFO, that's fuel oil. Now, what's the dog picking up? Is he picking up the ammonium nitrate or is he picking up the fuel oil? Okay, let's take the fuel oil out and we'll just focus on the ammonium nitrate. So we, that's what we're after. And so this is where our success was. We would initially use um, C4 or some deck cord for the initial training, so to change them from bite to, to bang, we'd call it, yeah. um, because it's such a strong odour. And then once they got the game, then we would start introducing the other odours and then um, we just got old AKs and burnt a bit of gunpowder in the breach and so that was that was our you know, gunpowder stuff. <laughs> so I just yeah. figured, well, what, how's this work? Well, these guns are a bit old. I've been sitting in a, a bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say an old bar. <laughs> <laughs> they were sitting somewhere. Um, and so we can use these for training. Yeah. And we wanted to have a bit of a fresh powder. I'm like, I don't know if this thing fires or not. So, so we just burnt some gunpowder in the breach. So, not risking yeah. it blowing up in your face. No, or no, something. that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's how we started training gunpowder. Yeah. Just so just hiding weapons on the dogs and stuff like that for them to randomly find. So when you were with four RIA, it was single purpose. Yeah. When did you, when did um, the regiment take you back and go, okay, you're now part of. We're, the, we're doing our thing again. It was the next rotation. Okay, so you. So it's just a different squadron. One. Yeah. So three squadron left, two squadron came in. They said we don't have a dog handler. You want to stay on? I said, yeah. Yes, I do. You're like, no shit, you don't have a dog handler. Yeah. I am the fucking I, dog I, handler. I, I am now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was interesting because I went to Timor in January with one squadron. Afghanistan with three and two squadron in 2007. Oh, so all three in 2007? Yeah. All three squadrons too? And then after, after uh, 2000, after two squadron, I uh, went back to um, three squadron when I got back and then went back in May. Yeah. And that's how I was able to drive around the IED uh, instead of over them because I was on a motorbike too. Yeah. Where I, late 2007, we saw this rise in the incidence of the IEDs. And because I was there for two rotations, I got to witness it. I think 2007, 8, 9, I was in nine vehicle packets that got IED strikes. Fucking hell. So I got to sort of, and 2007, I was riding a six wheel motorbike with a dog kennel on the back. So it's like, uh, coalition tracks for a re entrant. Maybe not. <laughs> I'll go around this one. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so I was, I was over 
because I drove around, I was first responder on the scene when Sean McCarthy got killed. I was just about to ask about that one, yeah. Uh, and, and I remember, because I was driving um, my troop headquarters car and Risha was in the back, and uh, when it went boom, somebody, I found out afterwards, guys are going, I hope that's not the dog car. And so oh, there's, that's like, the first thing is, hope that's not the dog car. Because uh, that, once again, I go back to what I said before about the the, um, the ramp ceremonies. It hits hard because it's it's unconditional service, and so it's just pure. And I think that's what we're all about. Um, and that's that warrior culture. You do dumb shit, or what people thinks dumb shit for that guy beside you, either side of you that you won't do for yourself. And so then, and that that dog embodies that. That's pure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love right. that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, w- what was it like then going back to the regiment and then do, obviously doing subsequent trips? Because you were handled other dogs, right? It wasn't just Risha. Oh, mainly just Risha. I did use uh, Craig. Oh, I say thanks, Craig Westy. His dog Riggs. He was a RAF, RAF handler that came over and he was the one that trained up Cougar. Like yep. he developed Cougar. Um, that was him. Uh, he also helped us develop the capability at the regiment. So, yeah, quite remiss of me for, for not bringing him up earlier. So those, those, some of them, support guys that, um, that came across and, and helped. Yeah. There's some that didn't help, but there's also some within our own organisation with Barrows that didn't help too. So it's good and bad everywhere. Yeah, that's what I try to tell, tell people about commandos. Now, there's some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one. There's one good I know, one. I know both of them. No. <laughs> yeah, I never got into that stink eye thing. Oh, it just drove me nuts. Yeah, because I was um, chatting to a couple of mates last night, yeah. uh, a couple of ex-commandos, and um, and I, was, I said, oh, I'm doing a podcast with Horse tomorrow. And they both knew you, and yeah. they said, oh, he was never into that sort of bullshit. Yeah, and so, that brings me back to the... Um, Taking dogs to the commandos, like I think that all infantry should have them, mate. Um, and and if they save lives, and I'm not going to take it to these push it, well not push it or promote it or be an enabler to them getting it, then what's that tell say about us? Yeah, and that kind of shuts people up. But, oh, you're not going to give it to them. You know, well, what's that say about you, us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's people that would go, oh, they're not getting that sniper rifle. Oh, my God. And just, there's retards everywhere. Yeah, it's that yeah. win-lose mentality, I think. Yeah, there's zero, zero-sum game. Correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And I never understood it myself. I probably definitely took part in it at some point. Yeah. Ego-driven. Yeah, tri- tribalism stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once you get out... Somebody's fucked somebody's wife sometime. <laughs> It's the, well, it's the monkeys in the cage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, and I love that the, analogy. The too. bananas, the bananas up high. Four monkeys up there. All right, I'm going to go up there. Get it. They all get hosed with the fire hose, and then, and so they're just sitting there, not going up there. Another monkey comes in. I'm going to go and get them. Other monkeys bash it, and then eventually they change all the monkeys out. There's four new monkeys in there, and they're all sitting down at the bottom. None of them really know why, but they just know I'm not going up there to get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Yeah. Hey? And uh, yeah, that's why we've always done it. So, what about later thing. later trips then? How did you using the dog evolve? Um, yeah, so we, 
we went to really sort of somewhere in the in the pack to so pack animal somewhere in the pack to off lead hunting so they would be out in front giving us a bubble and so that could be bang or bite oh, so we're just after a change in the behavior on the dog and so it's how all the other sf guys use them and so i don't know how far to go into that but they certainly gave us the advantage of their senses and i think i alluded you know, when we're talking about going through that jungle like um terrain or environment yeah that i can't see here and we're trying to be very quiet <laughs> uh but they that no say no it's like insane uh, and they're hearing and so and we try to keep them with uh, in cover as well yeah, um, like you afford them every opportunity yeah. that you would another operator, right? You've, you've, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or every uh, courtesy, sorry, every yeah. tactical courtesy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so once again, like guys that have shot dogs or nicked them when they've been on the bite, like, man, it's clear line of sight. You don't take a shot at somebody when your mate's wrestling with the, the bad guy. <laughs> um, you don't do it with a dog either. It's a clear line of sight. They're another operator, as yeah. you said, yeah. I want to um, just touch on that one as well. Not like making mistakes, but what was the frequency of like getting a bite for the dog versus we're not going to take the dog into the room, we're going to do it ourselves kind of thing? Oh, there was some... Um, so is that two different questions? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Let's start with the first one, frequency of bites. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very low at the start. Yeah. And that was also really explained by the poor intelligence we were getting so we were doing lots of dry holes and then i started to which which brings up a very important point is okay i'm looking at my dog now he's just going for another walk now mm. because we didn't have bites and so what i ended up having to do was i spray prayed up and cammed up a, a bite sleeve and then i would carry the bite sleeve in on target so if there's no bite, um, I would get somebody to put some blankets on and hide in a corner or whatever, and I'd send the dog in so that he could get a reward. Yeah. And we would do that with um, if we found um, anything on, like if we had some of our own magazines, I'd put it in a in a in a room to get someone to put a magazine in a room, so that the dog could then switch from he'll get a bite. So if there's no casualties, I go to the medic. Can we go in there? <laughs> And then, and then I go from that, switch him over to a detection serial, and so someone's throwing a magazine in there, so he go and uh, indicate on that. So he's still getting the rewards. Yeah. And so that that frequency was really, really important. And and so going on that is the bite for me is a like it's more of a training thing. If he's biting somebody downrange, then they're not a serious threat. They're just somebody that's getting away that we don't want them to get away. Correct, yeah. So he's a distraction. Uh, if I get a change in behaviour as we're sweeping through, like if we'd seen a change in behaviour in the dog, I recall him. I don't let him get that bite because what's that? Like, is it an ambush? At least now, and so it's like the tracker dog. So I studied their Pam as well, just for whatever we could. Um, we get a change in behaviour and go something there and that would allow us to then manoeuvre. And if we wanted to put a dog out there in the to sweep through that way then we could. But 
once again, we're needing, we're going to need him tomorrow. So this is, it's not disposable. Yeah. And if we can manoeuvre and then, then put him in at the last minute to have that effect or the breakthrough, um, then, then we, we need to do that. And so, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, so the bite is a nice to have. And it's like on, for a detection serial, if I get a, I know the difference between if he's got a person or that's, that's some sort of munitions. Uh, it's just a higher, they, they prefer the, um, the bite, the person. So their, their tempo goes up. And then if I've got something where they're suspicious, I go, hmm, he's just giving me a head flick. I'm going to recall him. There's something now. I don't wait for the full sit and it's got to be there. Yeah. Do come back over here. Because um, I also watched Raz explode. Um, in 07, so you know, he goes active on. Um, I've done some training with him in Bagram, and and the dog goes active. Um, and so, as soon as he changes behavior, the next thing he'll do is he'll start to go active. He's just that sort of animal, so um, fucking hard lesson to learn, yeah, too. So, like, yeah, and so that, that's it, and that's kind of where I learned. I go, all right, if I get a change of behavior, I'll recall, um, you know change of behaviour, the dog then goes and storms out a machine gun or goes and trips an IED. Uh, so in training, he needs to follow through and get the full reward because I'm controlling the outcome. Whereas in downrange, sorry fella, um, you're not going to get the bite because I want you alive or I don't know what's there. Yeah. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of bites that people probably think you're getting, you know, like send the dog in, he's on the bite, you clear the corner, shoot the guy. Like that's relatively rare, if ever, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But the, I know that the, the battle space does stop when that dog gets released. I guess <laughs> in the helicopters, I've been in the rat a couple of times and then you see them off and they're going, yeah, the helicopter, the helicopter pilot's like, yeah, that dog's off. And then the whole, it's like, <laughs> Dude, we want you to fly over here. Like, no, no. Everybody <laughs> just cool. <laughs> everybody just watches that dog go. Yeah. Because um, I've heard, yep. I've heard guys from the your unit say that in the early days, when they were like, they'd get you know, dog off on the radio. Everyone would just shrink a little bit yeah, to the nearest yeah, fucking and, and that was, tree or compound. Or, that was another thing too that we once again that IFF, and so everybody that's on the good guys team. Wear the good guy clothes. Yeah. Everyone else, inshallah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be yeah. Good luck with that. No, um, if SAS is rolling through your town, mate, like they're not going to be rolling through the CBD with a bunch of school kids around. Like, there's some bad guys around. Well, well, I was lucky with Risha. Did he? He wasn't interested in women and children, and so that's where, where people say, "Oh, yeah, we'll get some female decoys in on it." I don't know if that's what we want. Um. It's one of those end, end state things. You're like, is this ever going to be the end state, or is this just an interesting? Yeah, scenario? I mean, the chances. So there are possibly women terrorists. I think there definitely are. There are people that will be a threat that maybe we're going to come up against. Once again, that dog going through that doorway is all I need him to do. I can do the rest. Yeah, um, but he's. 
it doesn't matter how many, and we've tested this, we've had a guy in a decoy suit with the paint gun there, he knows the dog's gonna come through, he's trained, like he's not a trained operator, he's, he's one of our support guys, he goes, I'm just gonna shoot these guys when they come through the door, I know the dog's coming through. Couldn't help himself, could <laughs> yeah. not help himself. Every time, it's just like, up, oh, bang, bang. The dog coming through that door, and so we did, was the best distraction ever, and so we don't use distractions. The times when it does go wrong is when, well, nearly, is when the guys are lying on the floor with a PKM. The bullet still went over the dog's head. Uh, it was Devil, um, Dono's dog. Mm. Uh, and, and so you got the camera lying flat on the back. It went through the side. Not, not the up part, the side part. Shit. Yeah, so... Um, but fortunately, Devil's a small dog. So, so if he's one of the other dogs, we'll go on through the spine. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, then they just dropped the house on him. <laughs> and I was gonna, I was gonna say, were there any sort of incidents that were that exception to the rule, where it was like, dog in the room, straight on the bike, clear the corner, shoot the bad guys, sort of stuff? Yeah, that happened. Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and one of Reese's best bites is he took down the MMA fighter of a Southern Lures gun. Um, it took three of us and a dog. He broke his his. His restraints a couple of times as well. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, it was a big, it was a good fight. Who was the fucking dude? Uh, he was um, objective spear. Uh, it was his bodyguard. Okay. Yeah. yeah, an actual MMA fighter or just uh, like so an yeah, yeah, like this guy. <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah. Could have been. He's he's tough. Yeah, he's tough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, uh, we arrested them. Uh, and then I remember the next year coming back, it was 08, and then coming back next year in 09, going, hey, uh, Barry Gould, objective spear. Say he's in Quetta, like, we arrested him. This, this is wrong. We arrested him last year. And no, no, they let him go. No, he's yeah. yeah. He's number five on the Joe Pelt. Oh, number five on the Joe Pelt. Yeah. Um, and Joint priority context. effects list. Correct. So that's yep. your hit list. That's that's the coalitions. He's number five in the top ten. And they let him go. We also got objective musket. Uh, it was number eight. They let him go too. And they're working quetta. So, but morality versus legality. Hey, I'm just doing my job. Yeah, that person's now going up and is a commander directing troops doing attacks on coalition forces and killing people. And so when did um, poor old six hour go? Uh, 2010. So we captured these people in 08, they let go in 09 and then like they took some big hits, six hour with IEDs and everything like that oh, in that 2010. Fun, yeah. So I don't know, the timeline fits. Uh, Maybe it would have happened if we'd have kept these people in jail. Maybe it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to hit you with the um, the kill capture, um, and I'm I'm not interested in the IGADF shit. I don't I don't give a mm. shit. That's not my place to sort of comment. But the the kill capture missions and the context is I, was, I think I was told you the other well, day. Everyone has an opinion on everything. Yeah. It's just as long as we get. It's straight that it's an opinion. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I, I personally I don't 
go yeah. into it on the podcast. Cause I'm like, yeah, I wasn't it, there. it can taint things too. So yeah, yeah. correct. And yeah. I'm just, I don't mean I'm a talking yeah. head going like, oh, you know what I would have done? I would have had two guns and I would have been, like, it doesn't help. Yeah, so, so we're getting in trouble for having two guns. That's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I meant. But the, the kill capture stuff, um, and again, the context for this question, I think I told you I was chatting to this bloke hmm. the other day and he was talking about the early Iraq days, CAG sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, it's at your discretion, right? The, the J-Pearl is kill capture. It's, yep. it's the joint priority effects list. So what's the priority? Well, it's up to you. And people say, oh, but how can you have rules of, in war? Well, it's very, very difficult. And I think it also sets us apart from an, uh, the animals and the psychopaths. So a warrior versus a psychopath. Now, yeah, people have always ask the question, how many did you kill? And they said, there is a number. Uh, I'm working on the number of people now that I didn't kill, because I think that's the important one. Uh, that's what separates you from the psychopaths, because there's many that I could have killed, and even, like I said in earlier, that. that Timor, I wasn't sure. Now, in hindsight, they were the bad guys and I'm still not too sure if I would have hit them and moving in the dark and what's in the background. So, mm. you know, it's, it's the ones you don't kill. So it's where you're not being indiscriminate, where you're taking that. And so it is a moral judgment. So uh, Ken Murray says, is it, is it justified and is it necessary? Because there's lots that were certainly justified. Like our, 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 our ROE was um, quite quite in our favour, and I can't say that for a lot of ROEs generally. Usually, ties one hand behind your back, and just we can get. That's a whole other story with Karzai's uh, commandments. You've got a, another country dictating to you how you use your military forces. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it. But, um, but yeah, back to the killing thing. So, um, yeah, I think the ones you don't kill are important as well. Um, and so, yeah, it is It is up to you. And and then if you, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the um, ordinary men. Uh, the, the police battalion. In the Nazis, yep. Uh, yep, yep. Correct, and wow. they talk about the evolution to the... Yeah, what the, they ended up doing eventually. Yeah, your descent. And so if you have a superpower, if you have a superpower, your special forces, like that is a superpower in itself, and you're going out there. Um, now, if you had a superpower, would you be a superhero or a supervillain? Um, now, I'd... Far out. Yeah, I would certainly be a supervillain. I identify with um, Joachim Phoenix as the Joker, actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I really, I used to always want to be Batman. Uh, or, you know, when you, you always want to be the superhero. But now that I understand myself, it's the Joker. Uh, it's who I identify with. Uh, and so I would become a supervillain. 
power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and this is a, a power that you have. And so uh, going out there and, are we going to kill these people? You know, up to who? Why? Sometimes it is justified and necessary, absolutely. Yeah. These, and sometimes it might be, you might think it's necessary, but it's not justified. Yeah, this is all the stuff that you've got to go through. It's going through your head in that. And, and once again, it comes back to the government and the leadership being responsible. Because ultimately, you're sending soldiers to a sovereign country where you should have what outcomes, what criteria need to be met here, what's our goals? Well, we didn't get any of those. Also, okay, so you're sending them over without any reasons, and you're sending them to kill women, children, men, the combatants, animals. Um, that's what you're doing. And you are sending your own troops to die. And so that's what they're doing, because find me a conflict where that doesn't occur. Uh, so if you think you're sending people over just to, to, for that not to happen, then you probably shouldn't be in charge. Uh, and, then, and then when stuff does go wrong, to then put it down onto the, uh, the guys, the troops, right, and say, I wasn't aware of it, well, that's you're incompetent. It's and a lie, you or, are, or it's incompetence. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you, or if, if you were aware of it, then why haven't you done something about it at the time? Why are you waiting till now? I mean, you know, and I believe they were aware. Like, we reported everything, and so if there was any anomalies, they should have reported, like, followed it up. Then, um, yeah, and a lot of it, the other stuff's just eyewitness testimony. We know what that's worth, but it's still being pushed anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard a theory and I'll share it with you. So you know that when Angus Campbell got his... Uh, not Angus Campbell. Who's the fucking CDF at the moment? Can, it is Can, Campbell. Angus Campbell? Is, is it Angus? Campbell. Let's just say Campbell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the previous CDF yeah. was the Raffy guy. Yeah. I'm like, God, I hope I'm not... <laughs> I don't use his name because he's the wrong one. Yep. The, the current got, CDF, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I heard a theory that, um, maybe a conspiracy theory, that the reason his term got extended is because in terms of the IGADF and all that sort of bullshit that's going on at the moment, they don't want that to carry on past his tenure. So he's the guy that's going to see it. He's the guy that's going to see it out. It's going to die with him. So when he leaves the next yeah. term... It's like, cool, we're done. That's not a thing anymore. So the next CDF that comes along isn't another face possible that they can extend this thing for, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it made sense to me. I was like, you know, you just let it die with one guy sort of thing. And it's cowardice. It's what, sorry? It's cowardice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think... But it's just cowardice again. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's cowardice from the people above yep. him, right? They're like, yep. well, we're going to pin it on him. And he's like, well, I'm going to pin it on you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then, or the next person should be coming in and go, what about if I just get in there and go, I'm done with all of this? Yeah, we're done. Except <laughs> a lot of it's with the AFP now. So, 
this shit's going to go on for years. Yeah. So, yeah anyway, um, but so going back to the kill capture thing, so those conditions that we're being sent into no outcomes and they're setting people free, um, we're not getting any direction, we're going back time and time again, we're taking hits now. Most of your audience would, I imagine, be familiar with the Battle Milo Massacre in Vietnam. Search and destroy missions. <laughs> um, same place, several times, taking hits, um, dissatisfied, don't want to be there, what the fuck is going on? Uh, very similar sort of environment has been set by our government on us for Afghanistan as what occurred in my lie. And now where my lie went wrong was poor leadership. And so I just took that psychopath in the teams and go, fuck it, let's do the village. And then they went and did the village. It wasn't until word got back to hire, hey, stop that. And then they stopped it. But you need that strong leadership. And so when things are going wrong and these accusations against RS, uh, it's poor leadership. Uh, it's Campbell's, it happened under Campbell's tenure. Who's in charge at the end of the day? And it's when I go back to us <clears throat> in this world today, I think this is our responsibility. It's, well, who's in charge? The end of the day. No, the kids, kids, kids of the day. Well, who's in charge? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it, it all applies, and it's who's the Japanese commander? I'm going to butcher Hashimoto or yeah, I know you were talking yeah, about. It was yeah. like a it set sort of the issue. But yeah. I'm thinking of other. You're just issues. saying random Japanese names. I'm just saying <laughs> random. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was. He got executed because he was the commander. Yeah, because that's set a precedent, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, who's in charge? Um, Genghis Khan, he had a massive army. He'd kill all the leaders. But he didn't take any... They could surrender to him immediately and maybe they would survive. If they resisted at all, he would go in there and he would just kill all the leadership and then he'd give the... Soldiers, the options, wizards or against us. And so that's how his army became so big. Yeah. Um, the other thing is he didn't do torture, which was interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. He also is one of the world's greatest environmentalists. He's uh, killed that many people that changed the carbon footprint. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. They got that well, data. Yeah. Uh, Fact check that too, please. But, uh, <laughs> nah. but I'm running. I, I like the sound of it, so I'm running with it. Yeah, yeah we're good. He's yeah. the first environmentalist. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They reckon it changed the carbon footprint because he just killed that many people, so forests grew back and everything like that. So, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's funny shit. Yeah. Well, mate, we'll move on. I want to. I want to. We'll get past that particular yep. topic because I don't think it's overly conducive to. No. At least my part. I don't, I'm. You, you've got more experience with that than I do, but um, what was it like at the end of your career? Because you left 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had two steel hips. Okay. I put it in late 2014, so 
I was kind of done. Yeah. I was kind of burnt out and just tired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a daughter in Sweden that uh, I wasn't getting to see. And so that, that certainly diminishes your capacity or capability. Um, and I see other guys throughout the regiment and, and all walks of life that when uh, they can't have access to their children or being bad mouthed to the children and they, they, the kids don't want to see them, then that guys just become diminished shells of themselves. And I look back and that's where the, I became that and just, yeah, got out, faded away. Yeah. I, I think I got out of it. A reasonable time before a lot of the shit started happening, uh, the war was over, and um, yeah, I was tired. And so I've left a reasonable legacy at that point, as opposed to staying on and becoming one of those bitter and twisted old dinosaurs who's just a cancer. And mate, so use another Batman reference. So leave on a high note. You talked about the Joker before. Yeah. Uh, I've got which movie it's in. I've, I've referenced it before on the podcast, but he says you can live long enough to see yourself become the villain, or you can die as a hero. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's. I, I always found that quote really interesting yep. because, um, in a slightly different context, I know a lot of guys used to talk about things like suicide and whatnot, and part of their logic was, I'd rather die now in the unit as a hero, have my name on the rock, than hang around and. Everyone fucking hate me, and my kids hate me, and that, yeah. that type of stuff. Oh so. yeah, I understand that. I was having a chat to uh, his dad and mate, mate's sister, um, and we both agreed that he would have lost his shit. <laughs> now, in the world and what's happening at work and the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we're like, mm, age shall not weary them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite apt, eh? Hey? Yeah, I get that. I'm not checking out. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you're here, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and look, like, because how long did you spend in the regiment? 2003 to 2015? Yeah. 15? Yeah. I'm not a maths guy. I'm pretty sure that's 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Um, that's a long time to be banging it in with the lads, dog handling, kill capture stuff. I'm sure there's plenty of shit going on like culturally in the unit, changes, mates, blah, 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 all the dynamics. Mm. When you got out, were you one of those guys that struggled with identity? I went to Abu Dhabi for two years. Yeah. Um, it's not been a struggle with identity. It's it's the uh, finding a mission. So it's important to have a raison d'etre, a mission, a job in life. And so I... I was trying to make it my daughter, but uh, that didn't work. And so then it sort of crashed. And so uh, having having that mission afterwards, and that which then you've got a goal, and then you can create structure and, and towards that. Because I had exceeded all my dreams. I didn't have a plan. And it was just it was time. It felt like it was time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I, and the goal was to be in the UAE, which is closer to my daughter in Sweden. And so, uh, and then that, that sort of just didn't happen. And so, yeah, things kind of fell apart for me. And it, I didn't know it was going on at the time either. I don't talk about this shit until you've lived it. Um, yeah, you don't really understand. Uh, and so that's when 
knowing is not understanding. And there's a, a funny video, not half, an interesting video on YouTube where the guy, you know, I don't know if you've seen the backwards bicycles. Oh, yeah, you turn So you left, turn one way, right, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you say, okay, we know how it works. I don't understand how to do it. So knowing's not understanding. So you have to get on that thing and learn how to ride that and practice, practice, practice. We understand. So reading stuff is you know, is not really understanding it. It's knowing. And so it's uh, Immanuel Kant. Um, experience without knowledge is play, but knowledge without experience is purely intellectual. Yeah, it's uh, always to that effect. So yeah, and so it's where. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I don't need to train it. <laughs> we, we all sink. We don't rise to the occasion. We sink to our level of training. Yeah, I like that saying too, yeah. man, because it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, and in all all aspects of your life too, like yeah, if you're emotionally primed for X, you'll you'll do X. Yeah, that's those are the tools you got. Yeah, yeah, and that's where um, ADHD thing is. Uh, I feel a little bit like John the Savage from. Uh, brave new world. I don't fit in in this society here. And so the ADHD needs to be taken where there's less bling, advertising, rules, regulations, big TVs, big house, great Australian dream, control, wages, buy this, well, you need a job. Um, uh, look at this, do that, be like this, live here drive that car, uh, that, and they wonder why there's a resurgence, like an increase in ADHD. So living in the bush, you don't have any of that. And so what you're doing is looking for danger and hunting and surviving. And then this stuff, and I haven't even mentioned phones and social media on top of that. Yeah. And so you're just sending people off the scale like just just fucking with them and then they wonder why they can't concentrate why they can't do anything um well we need that dopamine hit and obviously we're the same as high functioning sports high level sports people special forces guys you've lived on the, from a dollar one to ten you're on 12 or 13 and then you're isolated from your crew and your tribe and we know this. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do the podcast, mate. And that's why it falls apart. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, these things are important. That's why I got back on, I did get back on social media and using it as a tool and I've reconnected. But I only have it on the computer. It's not on my phone. Same. I got it on this yeah. thing. This yeah. is the, probably the second time it's been up at the house, stays yeah. in the shed. Yeah. It's, and it, it takes your focus and then reduces our capability, our capacity, because... I can't sit still long enough to read a book. And if I can't do that, how can you work, move through life? So uh, that's where I bought a boat and I live on a yacht. Um, although it's in Cairns at the moment, it's a little bit wet up there. So uh, but getting out into nature where it's, it's guiding principles, but there's not really rules and regulations. And focusing on just doing one thing at a time, like on going downstairs to the kitchen to get a drink and coming back with a drink, not 
pulling the motor down and doing other stuff and then cooking something else and then coming back up and going, geez, I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full ADHD. It's exacerbated by all this stuff. And so now I'm starting to get my handle back on everything. And so that's where you know, no diagnosis and I'm, I want to go down this pathway of taking control of the life again and getting back on top. Yeah. There. And going off grid in a boat's not too bad. I've got a big question for you, and then we'll go take. I would take the world's biggest piss. Yep. Um, are you happier? Than what? Than before. Like now, you've you've, you know, you're outside the regiment. You've obviously like you're a guy that seems like you're constantly learning and improving yourself. Do you think you're happier now? Now that you've unplugged, you're trying to fucking filter all the bullshit out of your life. Oh, the less I have, the happier I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you become a lot calmer, um, less reactive. And that's the other thing when your focus is taken, and especially with the snowplow kids, they have no, no skills, no tools, nothing to adapt. And so you are the prey and constantly reactive to everything that goes on around you. As a, so it's the difference between... Are you at cause or are you at effect? So you're causing your environment. Obviously, we can't. It's we don't do that all the time. Or are you constantly at effect? And and that's where the difference between being special forces and infantry is. Like we went a lot more times and have less, arguably, issues because we chose when we went. We were the, the hunters. The infantry just got shot on by their hierarchy and sat there and they were shelled and hunted and and they, they were the prey and so it's a totally different place to exist and they had no control over their destiny or outcome whereas we could say yes or no. Our targets here, it's, it's not good for us. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and since when people say we're... You know, I'm against violence. If you're not capable of violence, you don't have a say in the matter. <laughs> you said this the other day. You are you're on the menu. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a rabbit saying I'm against eating meat, you, know, you don't have a say in it. You are on the menu. Um, it's the ones that with the capacity or the um, you know the, the the hunger. What are we going to eat tonight? They're going to make the decision. Obviously, there's on availability too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so I think Jordan Peterson just talks about, you know, strong, capable, competent people. The person that can be a monster that has the monster in hand is truly a moral being. Not the weak that can't do it. You know, you have a say in the matter. And that's, that's an entitlement-based society versus the shame-based where it's competence hierarchy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you're either up in the hierarchy and you got there through competence and capability uh, or you're on the menu. Cool. All right, all right guys, we're back. I just took a, a gigantic piss and I feel so much better. Yeah, well, 51, I thought I'd be the one breaking there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. proud of you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll hit you with the questions, mate. There's, yeah. I always did the post before the episode. Um, 
so there's two that I'll get from the the post, and then I'll do I'll get one one from Jason Semple, <laughs> and I bet you know what it is already, um, mate. So on Instagram there was a dude called L Coops fifteen, um, and he said, "How did you find the implementation of a new capability, and how receptive was everyone?" Yeah, uh, so I guess we we spoke about two thousand seven and the OC, saying I don't have any. Um, need for that and then you did ask a question earlier about people just want to get in there in the room and fuck the dog I'll get in there that was one of your questions as well wasn't it yeah something like something that, like that. Like, what's the yeah, yeah and so that, that we can cover off on those so obviously with some hierarchy they just didn't want it and so we went from 2007 with that and then I just became that annoying person that went to all the O groups, the planning groups, because uh, under times of stress and people just you sink to your level of training. And so you, if you've never had dogs in the planning before, you don't think about dogs. And so it's natural. And so I was lucky that I got brought into in 2008 to some of the planning. Uh, and so I was able to inject, oh, yeah, we can probably do that. And I was still making it up as well. And so I was lucky that they were open enough to try things and so help us develop it. And so it's with Langers and um, is it whichever company it was, we was with with the commandos and Desert, uh, you know, helping us open that up. And so it's just, once again, special forces, being special forces, enabled it. And then it helped us get to 2009 and became a bought criteria if you don't have a dog in the FE, in the force element. No shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and so... It, we came that far that we were, and I was that annoying along the way, and people were like, it's not all about dogs. I go, no, it's not all about dogs. It's another battle operating system. And I'm pushing my case. It's like people were putting, pushing their cases, and so I, I just maybe did a little bit more offensively. I know I got some hierarchy off, cause, and I would play the... Um, if I got friction, I would always play the... Uh, Instead of going straight up at them, I would then throw down my safety card, force protection. So what you're saying is if we can't do this, then you're, which mitigates this risk, this risk, this risk, to the force element, um, you're good with that. Oh, and then I would go and send an email. <laughs> so uh, that then we'd get them offside, but I would get my way. And so then we became so important that it's a bought criteria if you don't have it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've got to be that guy. Yeah, I like that, yeah. man. Yeah. Because I'm sure at the time you were like, you know, there's probably a bit of anxiety around that type of stuff, right? Like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be in trouble. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Now I'm sure you look back and you're like, he gives a shit. I don't care if I get in trouble. Um well, it's important because, you know, at the end of the day, these, these people are, in, and that's that structure, there is still, you know, they're, they're the ones that, uh, and I have been locked out of my own kennels, at, and then I play paper, scissors, rank, and I got my OC down to their <laughs> seats. And, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I did get a pear shape, and so at the end of the day, you still got to live with them. And so, and as I said, I did annoy some people to the extent that they were out to get me, um, which is never cool. Uh, once again, it's, I, I still believe I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the outcome 
this is there. And it's never linear. It's never clean, right? Ah, so it's more than 50 shades of grey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more Insta question, then I'll hit you with that one from Semps. Um, I don't know how to fucking say that. Zel, Zelgiark, XEL, anyway. Um, what advice do you have about someone getting out of the military who's not sure about the future? Yeah, you need to have a plan, dude. Um, yeah, get, your, get your next mission. Start getting your next mission. So you need to have, you know, you've, you've you got to have another mission. Just getting out to nothing is, and hope is not a plan. So find out what you want to do and then get a plan and then work towards it. And so you can use the system that you're still in to um, to an extent. I mean, obviously there's separations and the transitions or whatever they want to call it. It is what it is. But you can use that time to build skills to to get out to something because and I'm not sure if that's always the question I want to get out but I don't know what I want to do yeah yeah now who yeah that yeah good question I'm still working that out myself so yeah yeah and so I found teaching and so where I've come across the teaching um is once again that tribe so you're in that hierarchy and you're so let's say you're a soldier you're the warrior archetype well there comes a point where you're not young anymore and you can't do that and your children are now growing up and they're going out doing the warrior stuff the hunter stuff uh, and now your grandma grandpa teaching the children and so that's the evolution that's the natural evolution i felt uh and I've been drawn to teaching, and it's where I come across with the, working with the autistic kids. And so, whatever your calling within the military is, um, just go, okay, so I've got all this experience from an evolutionary perspective. Well, who needs that? And so, with the military, we serve, and there is no higher calling than to be of service because of service to the tribe is the survival of the tribe and we serve as the hunter, the healer, the teacher, the artisan, you know, that's the service and so finding where you can be of service is important because once again that warrior culture is about doing shit for others and then we'll get out and if we don't have anything to do, you know, fucking blow yourself up in a, cough, a glass coffin, a pipe, you know, yeah, you'll find a way yeah. to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I like that, man. I like that yeah. you've got to find a new mission, dude, because yeah. essentially, like, I think a lot of people confuse the, the outcome with the mechanism. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you I still have know. what you had in the military. That's what i got now through the podcast and the business. Well, we have new careers. Five. Yeah, it's more than one career in life. We're never taught this. It's once again... That control keeps you in one career stream till you retire and then then you die. And and the the government the system's done with the matrix is done with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
once again, comfort, the comfortable, the easy option is not the way. Uh, embrace the pain. And so it's even as the little things such as, uh, when I was in Stockholm, I had a storage unit and I would catch the train from my Airbnb to the storage unit, load up some kettlebells and some other gear, and then I'd carry that to the train, uh, take the underground up to another, uh, a, a normal train and then to a stop and then walk to the hotel with it. I could have got an Uber. It, where you just sit in the Uber and everything's carried to the door and you just put it in there. Well, the outcome on the surface is, is the same. But having achieved all of that, where's the train? Where's the hotel? What time? Which train? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? Uh, it's, and, and then just to having to physically carry it, it's a totally different outcome. And so that's why I say, we go back to the, take the hard options. Uh, and by the way, I still fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but it's identifying that and going, okay, well, this is how I'm going to do better next time. Yeah. No, I like, that's a good answer. Yeah. Now. I like it, bro. Um, and the last one from Semps mm. is Would you please regale us with the tale of the soldier on? Charity event <laughs> that you were with. <laughs> 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 with him. Uh, uh, yeah. He was adamant. He was like, you got to Sol ask him. Soldier on. <laughs> well, so they had a gala ball at um, Hilton last October. And I went down there with Preston, a dog. Uh, long story short, if it's a fundraiser, why you have it such an expensive place was what I kept on thinking. Um, but there were other assistance dogs there and so one of them came over to, a, an attack, to attack my dog and I got up and I chased it away. And um, unfortunately I missed it. I give it a big kick, but the whole audience, so it's a black tie event. And it was like, <laughs> and I just told fuck you all. Um, and then uh, walked out. <laughs> and there's a couple uh, of extra little details. Uh, and, 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 and Soldier but... On told us, directed the security to not let me back in. And then in the ensuing weeks later, she kept on trying to call me to apologise. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes things like that happen. Yeah, I know, things slip through the cracks. That's what Soldier On's been developed for because the system has cracks and you're supposed to fill them. And now you're exacerbating. Oh, and then they just made a whole lot of excuses and I hung up on them and never heard from them again. So avoid a soldier on, I would say. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Mate, the way Sims tells a story, and he's fucking chuckling the whole time. And he, he goes into the detail. Yeah, and yeah, he's, yeah. He's just, he tells a good story. Yeah, he was talking about how quiet it was, and you were like, that just fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's all good. Cheers, man. Right, no, no. Thank, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. And like, fuck, man, you drove from the sunny coast down here and you're driving back this afternoon, so... Um, yeah, I'm not an online kind of type of guy. No. This, uh, if, if this, this Zoom online. stuff, it's... It, it's... In case of, it shouldn't be instead of. Because there's most of our communication is body language. And once again, this, what this is doing to kids, 
um, and, and well into the future is disgusting. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Done. On that note. <laughs> so yeah, man, thank you like, so much for coming Welcome. down and um, mate, just fucking nice knock it on the head. Good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Origin Canine podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. In the meantime, go to origincanine.com. Check out our safe, innovative and built for purpose canine equipment.